Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, that this has been a night where we uh, have experienced you in a real sense, that the songs that we sing is, is promoting us to think deeply about where we are with you and, and just how much you love us and how much you want to follow us, uh, how much we want to follow you. And Lord, I just pray as we open up your, your word tonight, uh, your scriptures, that you will continue to, to minister to us, to, to talk to us, to, uh, to, to sometimes gut punch us um, into truly what it means to follow Jesus. I just pray, Lord, that, that when in this moment when we feel uh, convicted, that, that it'll, it'll enact change in our life that is going to produce life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, some of you guys might know that Nicole and I, uh, we built a cross for our wedding about five years ago, and um, the first picture uh, kind of shows what it what it looked like. You got that, Meg? Yeah, looks pretty good, doesn't it? So that was all all Nicole. Um, but around the wedding time, she pretty much lived on Pinterest. Um, but we found that we couldn't actually find a cross to rent or or borrow or anything. So so we had to build our own cross, and and this cross is about two point four meters tall by one point two wide. It's probably about thirty to forty kilos. Um, it's a it's a big thing. It's a heavy thing, and yes, it was kind of the trendy thing to do at the time, and continues to be a trendy thing. And and in some regard, I go, oh, it's a bit gross, isn't it? Because you know we've we've used this this cross and then created a nice decoration. But that's not what it was about either. You know, being believers in Jesus, we wanted a physical reminder of the hope that we have, of the person that uh, the, the the God that that died on the cross for our benefit, and and why we live. Um, for him now. And so that was that physical reminder. Um, now our cross kind of hangs out in our, uh, in our garage and uh, collects dust. Um, and whenever I open it up um, and someone's over, they, they see it and they get a bit shocked and they go, what is that? Um, but sometimes we, we get to hire it out to other people who want to use it in their wedding. And that's kind of really beautiful how this cross continues to be able to use, uh, be used in other people's weddings um, as they want to adopt the same thing. They want a physical reminder at their wedding that they, they're believers and followers of Jesus. So one of these days uh, we had a wedding um, to prepare for and so it's my job to bring it out and to, to dust it off and to sand it and, and oil it. I always make a point to oil it before I send it out to, to the new people, partly because of the smell. It's just such a great linseed oil smell. But as I was, uh, had finished sanding and oiling and I was ready to put it on the truck, um, I, I usually make a point of doing it myself because I really want to feel that, that, that heaviness. Um, but I put it on the cross and I strapped it down and then I was about to drive off and then I kind of stopped in my tracks. And I, I do believe in that moment that God was kind of teaching me something. I'd just been working on the cross. I'd just been picking it up. I'd been feeling the full weight and then I've strapped it on. And this is kind of what I came up with and I decided to post it on Instagram. It's a little bit spicy. Um, but it reads, uh, carrying your cross in the 21st century, maybe that's the problem. Shortcuts and compromising Jesus' all-or-nothing invitation to follow him and wondering why your walk feels shallow or distant. There is no shortcuts. It is heavy, but how much more fulfilling it is to partner with him on his mission and he will carry it for you. And then we've got the verse there, which is actually the verse we'll be going through today. And then the person that said so good, that's my, my youth pastor from, uh, from Sydney when I, was a, when I was in high school. So that's always nice. Uh, the point I want to bring up is here that, that, that we are followers of Jesus um, and Jesus calls us to deny, him, deny ourselves, pick up our cross 
and follow him. And that is a very intentional call. It's a very, it's a very like action-based call. But if we don't take up that call and, and try to figure out what that actually means to us in the 21st century, I'm not saying you build your own cross and you bring it into your workplace, um, although you could, it would definitely be a conversation starter. But we need to understand what Jesus was getting at with his disciples and then how those principles still apply to us today and then, and then how we can create action in our lives. Because as we'll go through things today, I'll start, I'll start using uh, wording that kind of feels like military type stuff and let's go, well, here's the thing. Jesus, we would all say, is our Messiah, uh, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while. To be a Messiah, you, that is an anointed king. To be a king, kind of like King David, he went into battle to take ground for God. And that's us as believers. If we call Jesus the Messiah, then, then we follow him into battle. Um, but the way we do battle, uh, as we'll see, is very different to, to, to smashing heads. Um, but if you've got your... Um, your Bibles uh, handy or your, your phone Bibles as, as everyone's doing these days. I lost my Bible. It'll turn up somewhere, my physical Bible. But uh, in the meantime, I've got the, the Bible here. Um, so we'll go through Matthew 16 um, uh, from verses 13. And it's, it's talking about the same conversation Jesus was having uh, from the, the verses that we talked about last week in Luke. It's, it's where Jesus challenges his followers to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And so if we start from verse 13, um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you by flesh and blood, but not by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. As I I mentioned before, you know, I guess for us the question that we always need to ask ourselves is, is that question, who is Jesus to you. I was, I was explaining to Nicole that as a pastor's kid, I, I used to follow my dad around when he was doing this kind of traveling uh, uh, evangelist type thing. He would fill in for people uh, at churches and his go-to evangelist um, sermon was, who is Jesus to you? Is he this moral teacher? Is he this historical character? Is he just this this fairy tale um, that you heard in, in, uh, in compulsory uh, Christian education or is he the Messiah, and if he is the Messiah, what does he require from you? And so this is, this is where, where Peter, uh, one of his disciples, um, has been following Jesus for a long time amongst all the other disciples. They've been seeing what Jesus has been getting up to, the love that he has for, for people who, who according to, to the world of the day, don't inherit God's kingdom, um, the sinners, um, the, the poor people. But Jesus is ministering to them and loving them. He's also doing healings and, 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 and miracles. And he's also um, these profound teachings um, that are like, wow, this guy is, is, is something else. His disciples start to see him as someone equal to John the Baptist or, or, or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of these prophets. And that's, again, even just an elevation above um, like a, a moral teacher like, 
to be in the company of a prophet means that this guy stands with God and he's calling out things that he sees as unjust in the world. But not that many people follow prophets because they're a bit wild um, and uh, they have weird ways of living um, and sometimes they get a lot of people offside. But, but when Peter calls Jesus a Messiah, he's elevating once again and saying, you are the king that we've been looking for. And we explained last week that, that the type of king or Messiah that people were looking for, um, Israel was, was under uh, Roman rule at the time and they were being oppressed. And so they were looking for someone to rise up and take over Rome and restore order for Israel. And so in this moment, I, I see Peter seeing Jesus as, as the Messiah, as, as the son of the living God, as someone who... He's going to restore things that are broken in this world. And Peter definitely had a certain idea of what that would look like and he was happy, willing to follow him into battle. I think following Jesus starts with a revelation and a realisation of who Jesus is. If, if we see him as a, as a, as a moral teacher or, or just a historical figure or just a story, well, then he has no claim on your life and he requires nothing of you but if he is the messiah if you have ever said those words then he is saying come with me into battle as we take ground in this world i don't know if you've ever thought about that word before messiah and and thought about it in that term but we are following this this jesus this god into battle to take ground and that's what peter was signing up for and he was happy and we know peter was fiery, so I think he was all too willing to, to crash some heads and shed some blood in the name of the Lord. But as we know, as we go on to the story, verse 21, uh, Jesus starts to explain the way in which he will take ground, the way in which he will have victory. And so verse 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus being a Messiah sounds good until he says, you will suffer if you follow me, that I will have to suffer, I will have to die, I'll have to give up my life in order for there to be victory into this world. And so Jesus sounds really good as a Messiah to Peter until he says, I'm going to need to die in order to see victory in this world. And so you can kind of see where Peter is coming from. It kind of feels like he's, he's, it's been a bait and switch. He's like, yeah, okay, you're, you're Messiah. You've just praised me um, for calling you the Messiah. Let's do it. Let's do battle. He's like, okay, well, if you follow me, we're going we're gonna to suffer and, and people are going to see us as enemies, these people, these chief priests, these elders, these people that I've been opposing, uh, that I've been calling out, I'm actually going to die at their hands. And, and, and you, if you're a follower of me, if you think you're, I'm your Messiah, you're going to have to do it too. And so he, he, he rebukes the Lord. He, re, he rebukes Jesus. He goes from praising him and calling him the Messiah to saying, hey, this is never going to happen. We, we're not going to let this happen. This can't happen. And so Jesus calls him Satan. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned 
and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know, you might be thinking about Peter. He's such an idiot. Like, like how did he not know the full picture? How did he not know that, that you know, after all that you've seen, um, that, that this is the way? You know, why would you, why would you rebuke your, 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 your Messiah? And it seems quite harsh. And it's funny because um, me and Pete and a few others were having this conversation um, on Tuesday where we had a friend um, who, who's getting to know us and getting to know um, the, the Christian faith. And he's asking these great questions. And he sat there silent for a long time while we're having coffee. And then he came out with this absolute perler. And he says, I don't want to offend you, but um, what do you Christians think of the devil? And uh, Peter was able to give a great description um, of that this this idea of of Satan. It's not this uh, horned figure in a red suit um, sitting on your shoulder telling you to do bad things, but it is everything that is against what Jesus wants to do in this world. Jesus wants to bring life, and he wants to bring restoration, and he wants to bring victory in in, in ourselves in this world, and he's got a way to do it. But everything that goes against that, the, the things that we have in our own life like pride and envy and malice and jealousy, temptation, these things that we've been talking about last week, about tonight, these things will get in the way of Jesus. These things are Satan. These things are the adversary and they are stopping Jesus from achieving his mission here on earth. And so when I read this passage, I go, oh, man, I'm Peter. You're Peter. We're all Peter. Some of you guys are Peter because you're named Peter. But we, at times, because of our own selfishness and our own fear over what Jesus is calling us into, can become Satan, can become the adversary and a stopping and are becoming a stumbling block for Jesus achieving his mission of victory in this world. And I hope you feel the heaviness of that it's not great to be called Satan, and I'm just saying I'm not saying it. God is saying it to one of his, his most trusted disciples, and we have this temptation to, 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 to be held back from fear and worry and also be pulled into these things that we know are not from God anymore, and we become the adversary in God achieving his mission. He needs us. But if, if, if you're going to get in his way of achieving his mission, he'll find someone else. And so we get to verse 24, and now he talks about whoever wants to become my disciples, and we'll read it from verse 24. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I'll stop there. And so if it's not already clear what it actually means for Jesus to be the Messiah in your life, Jesus further explains that if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me and and. If you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you, want, if you are willing to lose your life for the sake of me, you will find 
something that you've never found before in this lifetime. You know, Jesus wasn't unaware of of what he was saying when he said, take up your cross. The disciples were not unaware. Um, Jesus may have known he was going to die by a cross, but that's not what he was saying here. He was saying here that, that you guys know what has been happening to your to your your friends and your family uh, whilst we've been under Roman rule, that, that the Romans used a cross and crucified people as a way to deter others to not go against us because we will crucify you. It is showing that, that when you're on that cross, if you're carrying that cross, there's a one-way ticket to, to death and you will be an enemy of this state. You'll be an enemy of this world And so the same principle applies to us. When we're talking about carrying our cross, there is a good guarantee that you will feel the weight of that cross and and you will suffer for the things you believe. You will suffer and you will sacrifice for having allegiance to Jesus. That is so heavy. I don't know if you've felt it in your life, if you've ever felt people uh, look at you weird and don't want to be your friends uh, say things about you because you believe in this so-called fairy tale named Jesus. Within our community, we have lost friends over the years, people that, that, that are not a part of our community anymore because we cared more about what God loved in this world and what he has for this world than what this world preaches. In your workplaces, in your families, in your friends, we need to carry this cross into wherever our sphere is and go, I place my allegiance to Jesus because he is the way to eternal life. He is the way to the truth. He is the way, he is the only way that there's going to be victory in this world. But then when we take this cross, we realize that the way in which victory will be had in this world is by suffering and sacrifice and giving up things in our life. It is such an upside-down view because we would love nothing more than for Jesus to come and just restore everything and be that king who rides on a horse and and just restores everything in a blink of an eye. And, And sometimes that's what we think it means to be a believer, but it means as a believer, as a follower, as seeing Jesus as the Messiah, that we look at the way he lived his life, the way that he carried his cross and he died on the cross so that we might have eternal life in him. And we go, that's what it means to follow. We need to follow in his footsteps. We need to follow in his way. And it doesn't make sense to us, but we know that it produced victory. And we're here today because we proclaim that it is victory, that Jesus died on that cross so that we are free from our sin. You know, what's the other option here? It says, what good is it if we gain the whole world but forfeit our souls? If we compromise what it means to follow Jesus through fear or temptation, um, we, we, we don't want people to know that we're believers. We don't want to make absolute statements on, on, on the fate of, of this world that we live in, whether it be political or social or otherwise. If we start to compromise those things, it says, what good? You may, have, you may gain the whole world. You may be the most popular person in the world and you might have the success and this money and, and people will love you. But what about your soul?
as I was um, thinking about things and, and doing some research, I came across this, um, or I was reminded of this this video that I watched, um, and it's um, it's about John Dixon, who's a historian who um, who talks about the tattoos that he has. Um, if you want to take that and get that picture up, Meg. Um, so this is a Coptic cross, and if you don't know what the, what a Coptic cross is, it's it is an Egyptian um, symbol that has been used since the 400s um, to signify that they are a Christian, but it didn't come about in the best of circumstances. They they underwent uh, intense intense persecution when uh, when uh, when Arabs and Persians uh, began to take over their region, and they were forced to. Um, convert to to the faith of that time, Islam. And for those who didn't um, convert, who weren't forced to convert, um, they would they would um, tattoo this this uh, this cross, which is now called the Coptic cross, on the right wrist of these people, so that they would be essentially pointed out and go, this this person uh, is not uh, not uh, like the rest of us. And uh, you know what they did? They also taxed them heavily. So whenever they saw that symbol, they go, okay, well, for you, 30% or whatever. So it came in such bad circumstances, but this has become a, a practice for people uh, of the Coptic Christian religion. Um, uh, they're essentially uh, Eastern Orthodox. So, so they're, our, they're our brothers or our cousins. Um, they just do things a bit differently. But um, they... They now have taken this uh, this cross that used to be a symbol of ostr- ostr- being ostracized and, and persecution, and now it's a symbol of remembering essentially the price you paid to become a Christian, to be a believer. And they go as far as to as to tattoo their uh, their their children like from about two years of age, and um, and the pers- and, and John Dixon was so. Um, overtaken by this uh, this story, they decided to get one himself, a Coptic cross, and he, you know, he did all the processes. He asked the the local Coptic Christian person in in Australia, said, "Is this right, or is this like cultural appropriation?" And they said, "No, no, this is this is amazing. I'm so happy that you." And so he's got a cross. He's also got another one, which is which is another wild story, um, which is awesome. But you know, there there are thing there, there are people in this world that that really are suffering. People that have suffered, and, and I think if you look up the Coptic Christians, they're still facing persecution because they're living in a world that is, is primarily for something else. We're, we're living in that same world, and maybe we're not going to take that that type of suffering or that type of persecution, but the, the principle still applies. Are you willing to bear the cross wherever you go? Are you willing to put your allegiance to Jesus, and are you willing to take that suffering and sacrifice you know for me um i I always wrestled with what it looked like for me to a believer and i always went back and forth um you know at my workplace i was I, i was always petrified about about what people might think of me um, but as I, I stayed more more in community and, and I, I you know I further felt convicted as as to what it means to to follow jesus like I at least realized that I didn't, I couldn't do these two things. It felt like they were in opposition together. I felt like I was always getting torn apart between working five days and and all the um, and the pressures that come with that, and, and and wanting to follow Jesus and and share Jesus with people, and and um, that's not for everyone. But but I think there is this tension in all of our lives where we do feel like we're split both ways. 
where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in this world, I'm in this workplace and this is what they want me to do and this is how they want me to live and, and there's this temptation to, to rise the AP, APS ranks and I know a lot of people here are APS. All this is fine, but if this compromises your ability and your allegiance to Jesus um, and what we're talking about here when we're carrying this cross, it's, it's a lifestyle change. It's, it's, it's where you take this cross wherever you go and, and the way to which you see the world is now not the way that you see the world. It's, it's the way that Jesus sees the world. And every person you encounter and every situation that you encounter, you're in, you're in, you're in prayer and, and relationship with God. And this is going to take you in a very different direction. And it should take you in a different direction. Like if, if, if we're living our life identical to everyone else except for when we're coming on Sundays, are we really seeing Jesus as the Messiah? Or are we just fans of him? Are we just catching up every week to see what he got up to? Oh, that wacky Jesus. And then, and then move on with our life. When Jesus is our Messiah, it changes something within us. And, 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 it, and it, it, it hurts us to the point where we, we're like, oh, I want to love you, Jesus. I want to serve you. And then I see people in my workplace and, oh, man, they're in so much pain and I just want to love them and I just wish that they knew who you were so that they can experience the freedom that I now have. You will feel that weight and that's actually a really good weight. Um, if, we, if we think about the, the picture, uh, the first picture that, that, um, that I had up of, of, of the cross on the, on the ute, um, up until that moment where I'm walking up to the ute, um, I'm, I'm, I'm bearing that weight and there is nothing more I can think about than that cross. I can't pick anything else up. I can't, I can't think about anything else. I'm totally occupied on not dropping this thing. And there are times where I'm lifting it above my head. I'm going, oh man, this better not backfire on me. Um, but the point is I'm feeling that weight. But as soon as I put it on that ute and drive off, I, I forget it even, it's even there. We can't, we can't compromise Jesus like that. He has employed us to, to take ground in this world. And we take ground by, by, by giving up our time for people, for giving up our finances for people, uh, even giving up like careers. You know, we, we might be so devoted to Jesus that we miss out on opportunities for that next level up in APS. But man, and, and, and it's, a, it's a sacrifice that you might have to bear. But I have found as I continue to pursue Jesus and, 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 and carry this burden of Jesus in, in whatever world I'm a part of, it, it, it becomes more comfortable over time. But it takes time. And, but it also takes going, really looking at our lives and going, are the things that we're doing and the things that you know, we're, we're uh, putting our time and effort to, like, have we ever had that conversation with Jesus going, is this where you want me, God? Is this where you want me to be sowing into and if so, show me those people so that I might further your kingdom and take ground in this world. It's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle change. It's, it's not a thing that we can tack on when we are believers in Jesus and, and we call Jesus the Messiah. He, he takes over your world. And when you let him, you let him into your life, that tension that I was speaking about starts to fade away until all you see is Jesus. But it doesn't mean that it's not easy. It's still heavy. But it's a good cotton type of heavy. It's, a, it's the type of weights that you, you, you do at the gym to make you stronger. I do believe that, that, that there, is this, there is this relationship between us following Jesus intently and, and picking up the cross like he picked up the cross. 
and, and how close we feel to Jesus. I think if we are continuing to, to follow Jesus just by reading his word and going, oh, that's nice, and, and then not really applying it to our life, we're going to feel that deficit in our relationship with Jesus. Jesus called his followers to follow him, like literally in that moment, follow him, like walk with him, carry the cross with him. It's in those moments, and Nicole talks about it when she's she's serving at Red Frogs and, and she's, you know, shouldering someone that's about 80 kilos and passed out and throwing up. She's going, I, I, don't, I, f- I feel so much for this dude now. Like I, I have so much compassion for this guy. It's because she's keying into that compassion that Jesus has for his world. The more we do that, I know it's uncomfortable. Like I know, I know this is not our, our natural inclination as, as, um, as people. Like, but, but I don't think Jesus called us to a comfortable world. He called us to an uncomfortable world. And, and we know that through suffering and sacrifice, there is victory on the other side. And there is so much victory waiting if we take up the cross and follow him. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we just, yeah, as we're, as we're approaching Easter, let us not forget just what you did in order that we may have eternal life. We live in this world now where, where death doesn't feel like it's at our door and so eternal life seems like a bit of a theoretical concept. Lord, we trust in you and we need to continue to trust in you that, that, that this is a real thing and that the whole reason why you did it is so that other people may have victory in their life. And I just think it's so amazing and sometimes a little bit confusing that you, you want us to continue your work because we are so broken and, and we have problems and, and we have fear. Lord, help us with, with this fear. Lord, help us to address things in our life that are that are, are stumbling blocks in continuing this mission that you have for us to to be all in and and to make disciples of, of nations lord there are disciples in our workplace there are potential disciples in the uni and you're just waiting for us to take up the call and and, and sacrifice our life in order for us to gain life and for others to gain life pray lord that you help us in the weeks to come, to workshop what this looks like for our gathering. Continue to press forward to the mission you have in front of us. I pray, Lord, that you comfort us in the moments where we're feeling tired, we're feeling broken, and we're feeling like it's not like we, we can't do this. Because we know, Lord, it's, it's you who changes the hearts of man, and we're just the messenger. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.